Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Two here on the Blitz, Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes. We are broadcasting live on the campus of St. Vincent College in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. A little chilly today, honestly, Motes. You got to put on the jacket there at the end of the uh, at the end of the first hour. It's a nice breeze out here. It's a little overcast. Uh, I was just wearing a very light T-shirt and shorts, you know, expecting like. 80 degree temperatures like we've had out here for the most part. <laughs> a little chilly here today. It's uh, it's uh, about 68 degrees right now, according to my phone. And when the breeze kicks in, it is a little, uh, little chilly there. So had to uh, had to chuck on the jacket here. But certainly we are. Uh, hey, I like you staying light on your toes, though. Having some fun. Your toes. Having some fun in the final week of camp here. Nice crowd once again today uh, on the campus of St. Vincent College. I mean, Practice. let's be real. Would you expect anything less? No, I wouldn't. After I, Saturday's performance, baby, let's go. We excited. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a really good point by you. Um, and you know what? It's the last week, too. So I think there's there's a lot of people who you know might not have been able to make it out to this point. Uh, I'm looking around here right now. A lot of kids out here today, Motsi, because you know most of them, they, they got another week or so until they start school, right? Uh, you know, so I, was, I was talking to your daughter when you were out here at practice on Saturday, and she was like, 13 days till I have to go back. Not that I'm counting or anything. The countdown, right? <laughs> so. So, so, yeah, I think a lot of those kids, it's like, you know, maybe this is their last full week of freedom before they have to go back to school at some point next week. Um, so a lot of families out here having some fun. Uh, and it looks like the weather should hold off. I think they might get a little right, light rain during practice, but nothing crazy. If it doesn't rain, I mean, is it really a Steelers training camp practice in 2022? Come on it, now. It is, it is unbelievable. There's been very, like, uh, like Florida vibes out here where it'll just rain hard for 20, 30 minutes, and then the sun will come back out, and it's like nothing ever happened, uh, which is, you know, of course, like the typical Florida style of weather <laughs> um, autograph hill is open and crowded as it always is the uh the bleachers there we here, go the bleachers here at chuck Knoll field oh guesstimate guesstimate i'd say they're about 40 percent full right now with about 50 minutes to go until practice starting so you'll hear the energy pick up before too much longer here mozi and i will take you uh, up until the two o'clock hour when dale lolly and matt williamson take over with a three hour live practice edition of the drive right here on Steelers Nation Radio. Motsi, uh, since we're going to have Jeff Reed in the final segment of the show, I did think, you know, there's a lot of people with questions um, from the preseason game, with tweets from the preseason game. Uh, and, and one of them here, Douglas, tweets us, 
and says, uh, you know, one of the things he's most encouraged by is the yards after catch from the weapons on offense. He said it was crazy. He said uh, wide receivers and tight ends, you know, very impressive in that and, and, you know, helped out the quarterbacks on Saturday night as well too. And I think that's a, a fair point by Douglas as well. Yeah, the run out the catch, man, was definitely impressive. Um, I would like to start by talking about Gunnar Osheski. Yeah. Um, I thought that he really – um, proved to be a, a valuable slot option in that first preseason game. And some of the stuff, obviously, we've seen during the OTAs and minicamp time frame. I know when he talked to us on the show, he said that that was the area in his game that he wanted to improve upon. And I would definitely say for his first uh, introduction to being in stadium as a slot receiver with the Pittsburgh Steelers, I thought that he did a really good job. Obviously, you know, he had that big uh, third down conversion where he uh, – Beats yep. just single coverage and then is able to turn it upfield for a nice gain. And then um, after that, man, just being able to find the the empty spot in the defense, man, taking advantage of miscommunication or just bad eyes by that uh, Seahawks uh, safety and then being able to go over there and make a nice touchdown grab, man. I thought, you know, he was one of those guys that really stood out to me. But when you also talk about a Miles Boinkin, we talked a, a little bit about um, you know the speed of a Stephen Sims, even though it wasn't necessarily as a receiver his impact, you could still feel how when he had the ball in his hands, he felt electric. And that is something, man, when you're talking about these young receivers or even the guys that aren't necessarily young, but they're young in terms of their tenure here in Pittsburgh. Sure. All of those guys or a lot of them really did a lot to help themselves, you know, going forward with what they did on Saturday night. Yeah, I agree. And there's, you know what, those those guys are, are getting some hype right now, without a doubt. And, and that's good. Um, I think, again, particularly when you consider we haven't seen a ton of Pat Fryermuth, we haven't seen a ton of Chase Claypool, we haven't seen a ton of Deontay Johnson. Um, it's a good starting point, and you love to see the, the competitive nature um, from all the guys that are kind of vying for those roles on the depth chart at that position, you know, one of the positions that, that we do feel very comfortable about in terms of the Steelers' depth. One of those guys was obviously George Pickens, Motsi, and maybe we committed a crime against Steelers' humanity by not discussing him in the first hour of the show. I mean, cousin, the the Pickens hype train was already rolling through, you know, through about two and a half weeks, three weeks out here at camp in Latrobe. Uh, and that touchdown catch and, and some of the things he was able to do on Saturday night, I think only took that uh, to another level. The Steel City Champs tweets us and says, you know, what what more do, do we need to see from him, uh, you know, through the rest of camp and in the last two preseason games? Well, um, in my perspective, just continuing the consistency, continuing to beat man-to-man -man coverage. Uh, you think about some of the things that we saw in the game where he wasn't successful. It was on a couple of the routes where the defenders were able to get hands on him and stay in front of him. You know, and that's one of the things that you want to see him just consistently be able to beat one-on-one -on -one coverage. Because we know that the Seahawks corners that were out there, they weren't elite corners. They weren't top five corners or even top 15 corners. So it looked the way it was supposed to look for Georgia at times. Right. But you just want to see him continue to be more consistent there. Love the effort. Love the uh, the, the blocking. Love the finish, the toe taps, the body control. I love the confidence as well. He didn't look like a rookie. He didn't look like that was his he first not, time being out no. there. Right. But at the same time, it's like, yo, there's still some things where he could be more consistent in terms of his releases, in terms of his routes. And that's the part where when you're coaching him and you're critiquing him, that's the angle that you go with. That's how you continue to keep him locked in. But he's also a guy that, from my perspective of him, he's been able to handle success 
and he doesn't seem to become big-headed or complacent. And this goes back to his time at Georgia. He was a big-time recruit. He had a ton of success early. We even saw when he came back from injury, he still has success. Not once has this guy ever been looked at as a diva. Not once have we ever thought, hey, man, this guy isn't going to work hard. Everything that we've heard about him dating from college to even our time with him in the NFL, even though it's been brief thus far, we've seen this guy be a guy that shows up every single Mm -hmm. day and puts the work in. And when you have a guy like that with the type of talent that he has, that's when you start talking about the potential to be special. And he's been showing that he has all of those characteristics, but he just has to put it together and continue to do it consistently. I thought this was a great start for him, though. Without a doubt, this is a great opportunity for him to learn about himself in stadium as an mm-hmm. NFL player. Yeah. But you're going to continue to learn more and more the different matchups, the different coverages you're going to face. There was no game planning. There was no, you know, anything in particular where we're like, hey, we're going to try to take this receiver away. Eventually, that's going to happen when he'll be getting the bracket coverages, where he'll be having the elite corners follow him. Well, when he gets to that stage, then we'll see what that looks like. But all he can do is control the tests that are given to him. And this test that he was given to him this first Saturday, I thought that he handled that and passed it with flying colors. I concur. And we know uh, we know Steeler Nation love the nastiness on that block as well, too. Um, you gotta, you gotta, gotta love the, the big touchdown catch, uh, some nasty physicality in the run game. And I tell you what, that, that George Pickens, he's going to be a popular guy around here, I think. Uh, Theodore tweets us and says that his biggest takeaway is that GP14 is definitely worth the hype. GP14. Oh, boy. I love it. I love it. Uh, you know, that's that's something to be encouraged by, without a doubt. You know, we wanted to see him do it in stadium, uh, and I think he, you know, like Motsi said, hey, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't an all-pro performance on Saturday night, but a lot to like there. Uh, the big touchdown catch, the big block. Uh, some nice grabs near the sideline. I, I think that's certainly a, a nice building spot, a nice starting point, maybe I should say, instead of mm-hmm. building spot uh, for George Pickens. And we'll see how he looks this week in practice. And then obviously uh, Saturday night, Dan in Jacksonville. Uh, let's see here. Well, because that's the beauty of the NFL too, man. It's week to week. You look great, you know, on this Saturday. But if you go out there next Saturday, you're having drops. You're getting, you know, mm-hmm. beat up in terms of press coverage. Now we're singing a different tune, and that's the other part of this thing, where as a young player, you have to understand that dynamic as well. Plenty of guys can do it once. Plenty of guys can do it for a five-week span. When you're talking about doing it every single week and then doing that every year and then doing that over a course of how many years in a career, that is extremely difficult to do. A lot has to go right for you. That's the biggest reason why, as a veteran, we're always like, pump the brakes. I understand he's electric. I understand what he's been doing at camp. I understand what he did in that preseason game, but it's a long, long season ahead of us right now, man. Just, you know what I mean? We're, we're building to it, though, and that's the thing with uh, with George. It's like, you can see it, though. You can definitely see it, and the excitement is there, and rightfully so, but just got to continue to see more of it. That you do. That you do. You want to continue to stack those great practices and those performances, and uh, and yes, and then then we will really be uh, be cooking with fire around these parts, um, but I understand. I, it. I certainly understand why why people are uh, are overly enthusiastic or hyped on George Pickens. It's it's been a it's been a great start in that regard, uh, for sure. Rod Dalla wants to know Motsi, 
how we felt about the offensive line and Kendrick Green. He said he's a little worried that at times he still looked like he, he did last season. I I, I don't want to paint with broad brushes, Motsi, um, but my kind of just initial reaction to that was I thought the offensive line struggled in pass protection, and I thought they had some encouraging moments in the run game. Um I think it's important to make that distinction, at least for me, because I think a lot of people, you know, some of this, the stuff with the with the pass protection that we were talking about earlier, I think a lot of people just saw that in the offensive line, you know, once again struggling to, to keep a clean pocket and, and the quarterback upright and all those things. And, ah, well, they, they stunk on Saturday night. I don't think they were great in pass pro, again. Um, but I did – I thought there was, there was certainly stuff to like there in, in terms of the run game. I mean, I can understand that uh, <clears throat> because I know when the game first ended, I had a similar, you know, feeling. But I did go back and watch each of those guys individually. Ah, and, look at you. Well, come on now. You know, I ain't going to do it I if I ain't going to do it. I know you, you know? put in the work. Yeah. So, for me, man, I thought of it like this. In the run game, they were a lot more consistent there. The physicality was there. The effort was there. It wasn't always perfect, without a doubt. I mean, they still had some times where they weren't getting the movement that we would desire. But as a whole, it was definitely uh, way better than what it was last season. When we talk about the pass protection, yes, there were a couple of reps, uh, especially for Kendrick Green, where he did get a little bit bullied, you know, a little bit big boyed. But at the same time, there were also some reps where he looked the part. Where his pad level, where his effort, where his ability to, to anchor against a bull rush was there. And that was very impressive. I also think about on some of the throws that Mitch was able to have, he did have some clean pockets at times. I think of uh, Mason's particular touchdown throw, that pocket was fairly clean. When we started taking out that, when they started rotating through that second to third unit, that's when I really thought the breakdowns started to happen a lot more frequently. Um, like a Chaz Green being in there at guard, Scott at the tackle spot. Those two guys I thought struggled um, a lot more, and that put an even more bad taste in our mouths as a whole when we're thinking about the protection element, especially seeing Kenny late in the game getting slammed and just running for his life at times. A lot of it was, you know, based on what those two guys were out there doing, not to single them out, but just sure. giving context. But um, when you talk about some of the flaws that this O-line had, I'm talking the starting unit, right? Dan Moore, Kendrick Green, uh, Mason Cole, James Daniels, and Chooks Okorafor. Well, on the play where uh, Trubisky has to scramble, it's a miscommunication by James Daniels, Chooks Okorafor, and Mason Cole. It looks like the slide protection is to the right. James Daniels is treating it like the slide protection is to the left or like he has to help out Mason. And there's just that miscommunication, and that was why, you know, the extra guy goes through. Watching it on tape, I think that James didn't realize there was going to be a nickel blitzing, and he took it as, okay, I'm the free guy. Let me help the center. Whereas Chooks and Mason read it as, this guy is blitzing, bump a man out. And I think that was the first reason in terms of why you saw the protection like the way it did with Mitch. For Mason, when he got sacked, that was just Dan Moore getting beat. Nothing out, like nothing crazy happened there. It was just, you know, bad rep by him. And he does have to be a lot more consistent in his game as well because I thought for Dan, it wasn't as impressive as I would have liked it have been for him based on what he was able to do last season. But as a whole, man, I did think that James Daniels definitely was the most consistent and the best offensive lineman that I thought played in the game on Saturday night. We talk about his physicality in the run game. He was moving people. And outside of that miscommunication on the, uh, on the blitz, I thought that even him in pass protection was pretty consistent as well. Also. Yeah. 
and and talk a little O-line ball, you know, a little, yeah, little O-line yeah. shot for, you know what I'm saying, man? I love it. For, for I all love the it. Craig yeah. out there. I was going to say it. touch Elkins, you know, I, every once in a while we'll talk a little O-line for I literally took that pause there because I was thinking, trying to think lightly on my feet of a wolf joke that I could I could make there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because yeah, no, that that's awesome. I could tell you, I could tell you've gone back and and watched those guys because that's a great breakdown, um, and that is hey, we all know the offensive line. It's 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 a work in progress. There's new faces there. I think like you said, you know, particularly after the the first string guys as well too. Certainly, um, yeah. There's there's still a lot of meat on that bone, and and they know that. Um, and I understand why, you know, a, a lot of you is, is one of the hosts on this show has said from time to time, you know, you think it wasn't a Mona Lisa. And, and, and I, I certainly uh, can, can see why you feel that way. But I think at the same time, too, there, there was a couple things to be encouraged by as well. We got to get to a break. We'll get to more, maybe some final, I should say, preseason observations. Uh, because in our final segment of the show, about 23 minutes from now, Jeff Reed is going to join us. So we'll give some final preseason observations, continue to get you ready for practice when we come back on the other side. Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes, ongoing training camp coverage. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready for practice here on the campus of St. Vincent College. Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes, it's the Steelers Blitz here on SNR and on 970 ESPN. We've got Autograph Hill packed. The youth football team is ready, I think, here in the next 10 minutes or so. Some members. Oh, and as I say that, Arthur Motes, we've got our first Steeler taking the field for practice today. Let's go. Hold on. Let me put on my glasses. I got to put on my glasses. Who is that over there? Looks like a wide receiver. Hold on. Give me one second. We're going to get it here. Here he comes around the corner. I can see him. Ah, it is a wide receiver. I was correct, hey, hey, Arthur hey. Motes. It's Tyler Vaughn's. TV. Let's go. You know, scores the game-winning touchdown right on Saturday night, and he's the first one out here on the practice field today. How we doing? Look at that. See, he said, "Man, I'm not gonna, you know, forget who I can or forget who I am, forget where I came from." No, no, no. I'm gonna come back out here first one on the field. Hard hat, lunch pail. Let's go. No, I, I, I love it. I, I love it. TV, the first one out here. Is a couple of his teammates are right behind him. To be fair, but he was the first one uh, out here today. So. Uh, about a half an hour from practice, from the official start of practice, but a few Steelers, eh, one, two, three, four, five different guys, it looks like, uh, down on the field here early to get some work in. A good point here by Austin on uh, Twitter, Motsi. Austin tweets that he was most encouraged by, you know, 
everyone that we kept hearing about that was standing out in a good way at camp seemed to show mm-hmm. up and do the same in the game on Saturday night. He says, I can't remember the last time that there was a year where it feel like it happened to this extent. And he says, I think that's a good uh, a reflection of our coaching staff top to bottom. These guys were prepared and adaptable. Yeah, that was definitely the case. Um, the adaptability, the preparation was there. And then when you talk about the execution, more importantly, man, I thought that all of those things across the board did play out like that. I mean, because you think about a Jalen Warren, that's the guy that we've been talking about. We've been giving a lot of praise to. Were you looking at him in that game on Saturday? And rightfully so. He looked the part. We talk about Connor Hayward. Man, he's another yeah. guy that's been lighting it up at times in training camp, putting together a heck of a performance. And you saw what he was able to do Saturday night. He was one of those guys for me that I was just super impressed with his productivity not just as a receiver, but also as a blocker and as a special teamer. I thought across the board, man, he put together a really good performance. Now, that still wasn't perfect, but for that to be his first opportunity, I thought that he really helped himself out in a major way. Motsi, again, I know that it is uh, that Steelers are back to playing uh, football against other teams. I, you know, it's, it's, it's the preseason, but they are playing football against other teams, four quarters, scoreboard, all that good stuff, because a lot of our old tweeters have hopped back in the, uh, in the mentions here on this Monday. <laughs> I love it, Motsi. The sneaker goat is back. Uh, Let's go. Haven't heard from sneaker goat in a few months. Um, says that he's really excited about the speed and the skill that we have at the wide receiver position. Uh, he says it's bananas, and I think it's something that's really been missing in the offense. I agree with you on that as well, too. Um, and, you know, something I, I want to touch on here as well, too, uh, as we are, uh, what, about 13 minutes away uh, from being joined by Jeff Reed here to close out the show. Um, I was I was encouraged, you know, a Steeler rocker, our buddy Jay in New Hampshire is tweeting us about this as well, too. Um, I was encouraged uh, by what we saw from the running backs as well, too. You know, no Najee Harris, no Benny Snell, a lot of opportunity uh, for a lot of guys that we haven't seen in the black and gold get in stadium action. Um, there were some some highlights from Jalen Warren, some good stuff from Anthony McFarland. I thought Master Teague, you know, did what we know he can do, what his skill set is, and, and had himself a nice little evening. Um, you know, we said this at the in the first hour of the show when we were talking about quarterbacks, how we are, you know, uh, continue to be a little more encouraged, particularly after Saturday night's uh, game. Can you say the same about the running backs here uh, on this Monday afternoon as well, too? Yeah, we definitely can. Um, I want to start with Anthony McFarlane, uh, the return game element of it. Forget that. What was he doing with that ball in his hands running between the tackles? I was very very pleased to see him doing that because that is what can separate him as a smaller but fast running back the difference between being a third down gadget guy and being an Alvin Kamara or a Christian McCaffrey is those guys can run between the tackles and have success well Anthony McFarlane was showing some of that and that's the part for me that if he can develop that element of his game along with what he already can do as a receiver man I think that he could really you know put a lot of the unease to rest about that RB2 conversation, but obviously we have to see it on a more consistent basis. Um, Jalen Warren, though, I was really impressed with his running. Um, I thought that he ran extremely hard. The vision was on display, the toughness as well. But then the receiving ability. Loved, loved, loved that element from him, man, just being able to make plays and be, you know, Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett's best friend at times. 
because he was bringing that type of consistency and just keeping the offense and the drives alive. So I definitely like that. But more importantly with Jalen, he was out there making plays on special teams. He had a nice tackle out there. And I thought that that was huge for him because remember, when it comes time to unseating the current RB2, Benny Snell, you're not just taking away him as a running back. You have to also unseat what he does as a special teamer. And that's the part where it's going to be extremely difficult to do that. Absolutely. But then as we continue through Master Teague, I love the physicality that he played with. I still when I watch him, I just wish he could make that second level defender miss because I think if he can get into open space and just run, I think he could be really uh, even more impressive. But he just has a hard time making guys miss. That's been the knock on him. It's just one of them things. It's like, dude, just I don't know what it is, but you just got to figure it out, you know? And, uh, and with Mateo Durant, man, I thought that he had some good things as well. We know for him, though, he kind of got a, he got bullied in pass pro. And that's, yeah. you know, when we talk about backs on backers, it is extremely hard for Coach Tomlin to play you and trust you if you're getting his quarterback hit the way that Kenny got hit on that particular play when, you know, it was his responsibility yeah. to protect him right there. So that's the, the, the one thing that I would say with Mateo where he really has to step up and improve himself. But the beauty of the NFL is this. He's going to get an opportunity today. We don't know what that might look like going forward, but today you got a chance. Write that ship, man. Write that ship. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Annie wants to know, you know, she heard us reference how we're we're getting close to our first round of of camp casualties here this week, Um, that if the Steelers are likely to go shopping, what position do we think they would target? I mean, linebacker, right? I mean, they, they just did some moving of the cards, some shuffling there. Uh, maybe running back as well, too. Those those would probably be the ones that I would say would be most likely. Let's say you. Yeah, outside linebacker, running back, um, depending on what urgency they feel, maybe inside linebacker. But with inside linebacker, I think it's more so dependent on if they want to touch that starting spot or not. If they want to pull the plug on a Devin Bush and Robert Spillane competition, then yeah. But if not, I don't think you're going to sign anybody – you know, that isn't going to cost a lot that's going to necessarily come in here and unseat the guys that we currently have inside. But when you're talking about outside linebacker, it's a lot of youth. It's a lot of inexperience. It's a lot of um, just not productive careers thus far because these are all young guys, guys still trying to figure their way out. So that's obviously a spot where you would definitely want to look into just based on what we saw on Saturday, you know, until one of those guys can really step it up and and start to – make this coaching staff feel a little bit more secure in their play, not just in the run game, but in the pass game as well. That's yep. going to be something that I think they're going to feel because if a TJ Water Alex Heisman goes down, True. now these are the guys we're talking about having to play. That is not what you want for 70 snaps in a game. And that's the part where if they don't do something to make you feel differently, you might have to really, you know, look into – acquiring somebody that might cost a little bit more than we would want in this situation, but to give us that peace of mind. So, yeah, that, that's kind of how I look at it. Or you just, you know, you trade that conditional seventh-round pick and, you know, bring, yeah, in, a, bring in an all-pro. Problem solved. It, it, and it's a conditional, conditional seventh-round pick from 2027 as well. I don't know if you remember that part, you know. <laughs> uh, Coach Wichard says, harder to cut down this week for the Steelers, defensive line or running back group? Um, I think the running back group is harder to cut down. The D-line, um, yeah. Unfortunately, you watching some of the D-linemen late in the game, and some of our guys, it wasn't looking good. Um, the pad level, 
way too high. The conditioning at times didn't look like it needed to be. And that's with those guys rotating. And then just a lack of productivity. But when you're talking about late in preseason games, when you're talking about your fourth and fifth player at that position, these are some of the things you deal with. You know, not all of these guys are NFL caliber players. Some of these guys are just college level players, you know, mm-hmm. and that's just the reality of it. But during this time frame, you have everybody out there and you figure out who can weed themselves out, who from that group can rise up. But that's also why when we talk context for Kenny Pickett, we also speak on that in the sense of, yes, it was it was fun to watch. It was great and all of that. But you also have to remember, who was he out there with as well? Because a lot of those guys don't make it to the NFL. A lot of those guys don't have long-lasting careers. But for Kenny, he has to control the opportunities that he gets. But speaking specifically to that D-line unit, man, I just think that, you know, we could see a couple of those guys being moved. That's all. Yes, yes. A couple of those guys. And like I said, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, man, because this is somebody's career we're talking about. These are livelihoods. And it I is. definitely don't like to do that, but – just based on what they were putting out there on tape, it's it's hard to say keep this guy when you're watching what that looks like and you got this running back over here that's going crazy. You exactly. know, this running back over here, exactly. he's playing, with, with, you know, with just, just, you know, leaving it all out there. It's like, how do I tell this to go home and keep this? I can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. All right, a couple more quick hitters here before we got to get to break, before we get to Jeff Reed. And uh, we got another one of the uh, one of the OGs who's been uh, off for the offseason. Oklahoma Zone tweets us and says, boys, it's mm-hmm. great to have football back. What up, no? Yes, indeed. Yes, <laughs> oh, indeed. Oh, yeah, yeah. We just need Cuba Dan tweeting the show today, and we've got we got Ooh. all the old crew back together. Yep. A <laughs> <laughs> couple more here. Uh, Lieutenant Dan's legs uh, tweets, Wes. That's what's my on? guy. <laughs> he says, uh, Wes. Guess what song the Metallica opened up with last night? Haven't seen them since 1989. They opened up with Whiplash. <clears throat> Let's go. And it was it was it was pretty epic. They played all. They played Enter Sandman. Mm-hmm. They played For Whom the Bell Tolls. They played Nothing Else Matters. They played Master of Puppets. You know it. They had they did the little Stranger Things. Uh, some Love you know it. some visuals with the Stranger Things Metallica scene. For those of you that have seen you know the the latest episodes of Stranger Things, it was pretty cool. And and Motsi, real quick, because you know I, I geek out about live music and concerts and everything. Mm-hmm. I, I I love it. Um, it was a lot of fun for me. They like their fans. It's it's like, and I mean this in a good way, but it's like a cult like devotion. You know, it's <laughs> it's like they do one yeah. thing. It, it's like being in church. It's like a congregation. It's like the pastor does something, and the congregation knows what to answer back or what to do. Yes. Like it was the mm-hmm. same way. Like they would say something, or they'd play something, or they, and the and the crowd would know what to do, what to chant, what the you know when to pump their fists, all that stuff. Uh, I mean, I could have probably named you. I don't know, four or five Metallica songs before last night. Like, I, I knew who they were. I know some of their music. Right, right. I wasn't a huge fan or anything like that. But I was I was very – I enjoyed myself last night. I did. It was a great show. Good. That's what I like to hear right there, baby. Let's go. So that'll do it for the tweets because we got to get the break because Jeff Reed is going to be joining us for our final segment. You're listening to the Steelers Blitz on SNR. Final segment here of the Steelers Blitz on a Monday, the final week of practices on the campus of St. Vincent College. Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes, and we are pleased to close out the show with a two-time Super Bowl champion sitting here with me now uh, at our radio booth atop Chuck Knoll Field. It's Jeff Reed. Jeff, how you doing? 
Good. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. And we got Arthur Motes back uh, back in the studio as well, too. Oh, so you'll you'll be Motes? hearing from him. <laughs> man, always good to hear from you, Jeff. You know you are the man, the myth, the legend. Nah, I'm trying to be like you, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to reciprocate that energy and that electricity from from Arthur Modes. Yeah, without, sometimes it's false enthusiasm, man. But it's it's all good. <laughs> Talk you still, about it. <laughs> you still got to be that guy. <laughs> you know it. You know it. Question. <laughs> uh, Jeff, back out. You know we were, we were talking a little bit before we went on air. But what's it like for you? You know, coming back out here to to the campus of St. Vincent in Latrobe for training camp. You know, this is awesome actually because um, some things obviously look different than when I was here. I mean, it's it's been shoot 12 years believe it or not since I was at this oh actually practicing here and that's that seems like forever ago but it seems like about a handful of years ago but um it's awesome man because I you know and you guys had training camp at Heinz Field a couple of years in a row mm-hmm. I, that couldn't have been that exciting just because it's just it's cool to do this you're an hour away from home yes it's not easy it's harder for some positions than others but it's still draining and um you know it's, it's how you build your uh team chemistry for the season yeah, you're 100% right, man, in terms of that team chemistry and camaraderie. But uh, what I want to ask you, man, being that you're back out there, do you have a favorite memory that comes to mind? I mean, whether that be on the field from practice or even off the field, man, just hanging with your guys. Uh, you know, some stories we can't really talk about. But, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had a feeling that was coming. <laughs> but you, come on, Boats, man. I mean, you know, I, I don't follow too many rules, bro. <laughs> I mean – are we are we on XM radio or what? Can I tell like it is? I said on field. I said on field or off the field. I yeah, so you you opened it wide open for a lot of stories, Sharkies and Dinos. And, uh, oh yeah. Um, I would say I, the one thing I actually enjoyed, whether I was practicing that day or not, was the amount of fans that you can put a smile on their faces just by walking down that little uh, the stairs into the concrete to the field, um, and then. You know, I like the people that are on the field during practice. I, I had more time than someone like yourself um, to interact with them because, you know, the biggest thing about um, these guys is the media. And I'm part of the media just like I'm on, you know, I'm on the radio now. But we're all the media sometimes, even though they don't try to, may misportray a person's personality or who they truly are. And I think in an atmosphere like this, you know, nobody's super tight yet. The season hadn't really started. Okay, if you don't play mm-hmm. good or you make mistakes in the preseason, it's expected. Then in a couple of weeks, it's about to get real. And uh, everyone's personalities and, you know, their their their, uh, their niches, everything changes. So I think the biggest thing out here is the interaction with the fans because I think it's good that no matter what you've seen in an interview that someone could have had a rough day or something and they may say something wrong, you learn to know the guys outside of – watching them practice and this is a true NFL pro team and a great franchise. I like how you mentioned, you know, being able to put the smile on the faces of the fans. I got to tell you a quick story. I'll be a testament to this for you real quick. Summer of 2009, I had just graduated from high school. You guys had just won the Super Bowl a few months uh, earlier. On that hill right across from us, I got your autograph on my terrible towel. Summer of, two, summer of two, I think I was summer the only person. I think I was the only person old. that signed that day. <laughs> you and Santonio Holmes. I got, I got the, I got the, I got Jeff Reed, and I got the Super Bowl MVP. I was living large, baby. Yeah, man. And, <laughs> you know, go. I was the guy in 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 place of a lot of the other dudes that because you know there's this is like a super pleasant day, seventy with a breeze. That didn't happen too often, right? For, for whatever reason, not that I'm going to sit here and say I was a hard nosed linebacker, but it was like ninety and humid. When we practiced, <laughs> even the night practice, you were sweating before. It's like going to New Orleans. It's like you were sweating before you even warmed up. But uh, <laughs> and a lot of guys are exhausted. They have injuries, so they don't really 
it's not that they don't want to interact with the fans. It's just that they got they got stuff to do They're and they want to get going. Yeah. So I was the guy that stayed, you know, 45 minutes to an hour afterwards just so somebody could go home with an autograph. So, I mean, I took pride in that. And, I mean, that was me getting my teammates' backs in that, in that situation because I can only do so much with what I do on the field. Sure. Now, going back to the on-the-field part, just talk about what was that like for you mentally preparing every day where you don't get a chance to kick every day, but you're competing at times. You know where, you know, when you're talking about the linebackers, running backs, et cetera, we can have a bad rep right here. We're going to get 30 other reps that day. But for you, it wasn't always that case. So just talk about how mentally you would have to be locked in in some of these training camps when you were going to be kicking versus not kicking. Yeah, that's, that's a great question, actually, because, I mean, even though it's a little bit more relaxing um, when you're not actually going to have to kick that day, if you do different workouts, it's what you do behind the scenes that makes you a better player and better person, as you know. Um, the one thing I will say is uh, in training camp for a kicker, um, you know, you're not going to necessarily lose your job at a practice. Um, but if you're competing with somebody that is, like, you know, unconscious and making everything and kicking kickoffs 80 yards and they go in the game and do that, you know, even though you go in as the veteran starter, that can change quickly in this position. Um, most, I, w- I won't say a number because I don't know an exact number. It'd be a lie. So, but usually when you come to training camp, you got about 80% of your team already. You already know, and there's about five dudes that'll turn heads, and one of those could be in a kicker or punter position. Um, obviously, in a situation like Chris Boswell right now, I mean, he just got paid. He's going to be their guy. There is no, you know, if he misses a couple, life goes on. But if you're competing with somebody and, you know, regardless of who's making more money, back back when I was playing, um, you got out kick them. And I was the kind of guy that I, you know, Sean Sweezen was in camp twice with me. And obviously he played here after me, um, played played other teams before me. Uh, Rob Baronis, uh, you know, rest in peace to him. He was another dude I competed with. He played forever for Tennessee. I mean, the guys I played against, I mean, were starters on other teams. So obviously I had some good competition and they pushed me. Um, obviously there's some personality differences with these guys, but I like to help people. You know, I was confident in my ability, so I wasn't going to go out there and mislead somebody because it's just not in my nature. It's not in my blood. So, um, but at the same time, you deep down inside, I personally deep down inside knew that I, I better show up every day or this may be my last training camp here. Jeff Reed with us here on SNR. Just a few more minutes with the two-time Super Bowl champion. Jeff, you mentioned Chris Boswell there. He gets the contract extension that, you know, for about a week made him a joint highest uh, special teams player in the league with Justin Tucker till he got an extension of his own. Uh, but I imagine you think uh, m- much deserved for Chris Boswell and what he's been able to do the, over his time with the, with the Steelers. Absolutely. You know, I've, I've met him briefly once. I've met his family at a couple tailgates um, that I attend when I come to games. And uh, great people. You know, it's always good to see somebody that's humble um, get paid like that. I mean, I'm all about everybody getting paid, but sometimes you kind of wish if somebody's a little arrogant or just not a very good person, you they don't get paid as much, you know. Um, well, maybe that's just me. Uh, but no, nah, I'm but, with you. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like, damn, it's how real, do I not get real. paid? I'm pretty we cool. We can be spiteful, too. Yeah, I keep it real. But, but you know, Boz, Boz is a good guy, and he's a humble guy. He's, he's not a guy. He was a guy that I talked to his, uh, his mother last year and thought that if he didn't have the season he had, he was going to be released because of money. And I said, that's exactly right. It's not because you're talent. It's because they pay you too much. And it's not his fault. And, you know, so obviously he came out and shined and he got paid again. So good for him. And uh, But, you know, it, I always like to see people succeed. You know, I'm not a hater. 
Obviously, I'm second all-time in points in Steelers history. If he plays these next four or five years, he's going to surpass me, probably even Gary Anderson, uh, depending on how many attempts he gets because um, he's obviously very consistent. So I don't – you know, records are meant to be broken. You know, I'm already the first loser because I'm second. Uh, so, <laughs> so first, you're last. So, yeah, yeah, that's right. You ain't first, you're last. So uh, I can't go up any higher. So I guess if I can be the second loser and he overtakes that, good for him, man. Now, the final question I have for you, Jeff, is, you know, going back to when you were actually the winner. You were first two times, being that you won two Super Bowls here in Pittsburgh. Just of those two, man, which one stands out to you the most, man? And talk about why. Well, uh, I mean, this is, I guess you, you could easily, I could easily say either one. Um, obviously, the first one is something that that's what's why you play the game. Uh, what I was just speaking to some people um, at the Fred Rogers Center over there, you know, I said, you know, money comes and goes. Um, a lot of people are, you know, come after you when you have more uh, money, more money, more problems. That's a, that's a true that's a true thing. And mm -hmm. I said, but you know what? If there was ever a day where I was broke, I'd be in a bus stop with two pieces of jewelry on that nobody can take from me. Um, mm. You know, and that's that's why you that's why I played the game. That's why you should play the game. Um, obviously, some people have different motives, but um, I would say the first one and the biggest thing is a handful of guys convinced Jerome to come back. And um, and I don't think it was necessarily because we were, it was going to be in Detroit. I think it's just because we wanted him to win so bad. And he ended up, uh, you know, everybody everybody did well. We were the team that uh, we everybody counted us out right about a little more than halfway through the season. Then all of a sudden, uh, we didn't lose another game, including the playoffs. And we beat some teams that were considered way better than us. And uh, you know, that's we were the sixth seed. That's why everybody wore those shirts, sixth seed. And um, so that one will be memorable because, um, you, you know, we got to eat at Jerome's mother's house. She fed the whole team. And we and once we were we were full, she brought out more food and said we had to eat more. And, you know, those are the things you can't take that nobody can take from you. I mean, the game itself, the media, the media frenzy is crazy. Um, and I had the opening kickoff that game, too, in Arizona. I, did, I mean, against Arizona, I did not. And obviously a kicker's looking at the ball, so that's what you're supposed to do to kick it. Um, but you definitely feel and see a million flashes. And my biggest thing was just I don't care if it goes in the end zone. Just kick it in the air. <laughs> just don't lift, right? Yeah, don't miss it. Well, I guess if I had missed it completely, that would have been something talked about the rest of my life. But no, I kicked it well. And so that was uh, that's another memory that, you know, I, I can't get out of my mind. Not that I want to, but you just can't because it's just, it's just one of those things that you see on TV and then you live it. You, it it's real. And um, – so that I would say the first Super Bowl is most memorable because now if you look at the rings, the second ring is a lot bigger than the first. But um, but I think once they win their seventh, that's, let's go. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But once they win that seventh one here in Pittsburgh, uh, it's going to put both of my rings to shame. Yeah, you might be able to see that thing from outer space by that point. Uh, real quick before we go, because you mentioned in, in 2005 that run up and you guys knocking off a lot of teams that you know people gave you no chance against or that you were supposed to lose to. I just got to know what was going through your mind when Mike Vanderjack missed that kick in Indy. Well, you know, um, Mike Mike's a friend of mine, and uh, he's just he's just a different cat. I know there was some stuff where he called out Peyton, which was stupid, and all that stuff. Sure, but sure. I'm, as a person, he's just he's just a different breed. But uh, you know, when he was, uh, you know, he pointed to Coach Cower, obviously the whole thing of ice and kickers. He called the timeout, and then Vanderjack's like pointing at him, joking with Coach Cower, and I'm like, what is this dude doing, like? The last person I'm going to talk to is the opposing coach. Right. I just go in my own little zone. So I kind of knew that 
as good as he had been, as good as that team was, they might be in trouble. And he definitely missed, and obviously the rest is history, thank goodness. But, yeah, he – yeah, he just kind of seemed like, he just kind of seemed like, oh, thanks for doing that. Now I get the limelight. Now everybody's going to watch me again, and this is what's going to happen. Right. And, and he missed. So, and, and, they'll, and that organization will never forget that. I promise you that. No, no doubt about that one. <laughs> that that that's certainly uh, one of those tough ones. And, and, and Moats, Moats, you all good, or you got one more? Oh no, I'm good on my end, man. That was okay. my last one. Yep, I'm good. I just I just wanted to know from you as well too. We got about 90 seconds here. Uh, you mentioned that you were at the preseason game on Saturday night. Was that the most exciting preseason game that you, that you've ever witnessed? I mean, at times that felt like a regular season game. Yeah, usually I go to preseason games in Charlotte, and it's not the same fan base, of course, but it's still fun to watch the game. And you know, after about two quarters, you're like, you're like, okay. It's preseason. Let's let's go to the bar. Sure, you know? sure, sure. <laughs> or or go home. Whatever. You know, to each his own. But yeah, I told I was telling you earlier, if you actually closed your eyes in that stadium, didn't know where you were, you would think, Man, I thought this was preseason and it was loud. And obviously it wasn't, you know, completely packed out, but it was a lot of people and I, I think the quarterback battle has a lot of people intrigued. Yeah, no doubt. First time in, you know, eighteen, nineteen years that that's been the case. Jeff Reed, kind enough uh, to lend us some time here on SNR. Thank you. We appreciate it. Yep, thank you guys. See you Moat. <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend. Yes indeed. Always a pleasure. That's going to do it for us today. Dale Lolly and Matt Williamson up next. Uh, thanks to Jeff Reed for joining us. Jacob here on site and Zach back in the studio. We will be back tomorrow. Matt and Dale have practice coverage for you up next. So don't go anywhere. They're the only ones painting the picture for you here at practice live on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.